Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian, Thomas P. Dorian, yes, sir. Patrick. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm so glad to have you here, and I'm so glad you survived the holidays. I survived the barely, holidays. Barely made it through it. You know, I always feel... Wearing more, me out, man. I, I, know where I was going to say, I feel more tired when I come back from, yeah. from all the break and everything, yeah. and all the stuff. And, you know, I just it made me sort of ruminate, ruminate. ponder, oh, think, perfect. you know, on things. I was looking back and thinking, well, you know, we all know that the good Catholics that are listening to this program, mm-hmm. and those who are in the know... Even right. those who are non-Catholic, who we love our non-Catholic listeners, know that the Christmas season, we're in the heart of it. We're, in the, we're still in the Christmas season. Yeah. And the world kind of sees it differently. Christmas trees aren't on the curb. Yeah, well. Yet. My, you know, this is when it's good to be, by the way, it's good to be lazy. You get paid back because you don't have to stop, you don't have to undecorate, you know, just leave That's all the right. stuff up. I'm lazy. I don't want to take it down, you know. But it's okay because the Christmas season goes on. That's right. But, uh, you know, for many folks... You know, Christmas is over. It is. I mean, the I stores, as you know, the parties are done. The the, the food's gone. Mm-hmm. Right, the leftovers are all gone. The presents are all unwrapped. In fact, most of us have already either taken back and exchanged or whatever. Yeah. Right. I mean, the the the, the, the deal is all done. The kids are back in school. Mm-hmm. Right, and so you know, and you know, in carols, I love Christmas carols. I do too. They're only like sort of an echo in our mind. That's right. You just don't hear them as much. Yep. Right, unless you're like an uber Catholic, like my wife. And she's still listening. We get in the to car, and she's like going, "That's not Christmas," you know. And so we got to put the Christmas songs on. But, but you know, it's it's like really Christmas Day happened. Yeah. Right. The incarnation's complete. Jesus is here. Yay! Mm-hmm. Right. So it's done. Right. Done deal. Theoretically. So it causes us. It causes me to ask this question, and that is, so what? What's next? Right. What do I do with this? Mm-hmm. Right. Is the deal done? Right. And so, like, if we look at the world. You know, the world would tell us that we've got 350-some-odd shopping days till Christmas. That's right. Right? That's the way that it's like reset, mm-hmm. and let's start over. Mm-hmm. But to me, I, I hate, like, redoing things and sort of, like, getting stuck in some kind of, I don't know, over and over and over and not really benefit from that moment. I can see that. Not grow. I can see I mean, that. do you ever feel like you're in a rut when you just like, you're like, why do I keep doing this over and over again? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy the parties and the food and the presents. I, I enjoy the, the joy of the season. I enjoy the songs. I enjoy all that stuff. You're kind of asking the question, is that all there is? Right. And for so many people, that is all there is. Which is sad. That is very sad. So that's why I think it's great. You know, if we listen to the world, 350 shopping days left. Better get started. Yeah. But if you listen to Holy Mother Church, you realize, hey, it's the Feast of the Epiphany. Right. What is the Epiphany? You know, look at the word. And we have a show on Epiphany, and it just means revelation. I mean, it's like, this is important to know. This is going to change your life. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you stop and think about what happened at Epiphany and what we see, we typically the readings are about the three wise men that, mm-hmm. that, that show up to, to worship Jesus. That's right. And, and so we see this, and really what the, what the church helps us to see is this is no longer uh, like an isolated event. It's no longer, uh, this is not just about the Jews. Mm-mm. It's not just about this little pocket of chosen people, which that's nice. They are chosen. Mm-hmm. It's a great pocket. 
It is a right? great pocket. But it's not limited now here in this one little place in the Middle East. It's the whole world. Right. Because this star, this beautiful star went up. Mm-hmm. The wise men followed that star, and they came from, from faraway lands. That's right. I love, there's a terrible, terrible, stupid joke. Why did the wise men have ashes on their feet? Because they came from afar. It's a southern thing. You you have to laugh. Okay, it was bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, terrible. That was awful. But the point is, they we came. Need to edit that one. They did know it's going. Uh, they did come from afar. They came from everywhere. They came, and it helps us to see that Jesus didn't come just to save a little group of people, mm-hmm. but he came to save the world. That's right. So it brings a sort of international aspect to the Christmas season, and that's why Epiphany is in the Christmas season. That's why we pay attention to when Epiphany is, and it's you know the twelfth day after after Christmas, right? Right, and it's like okay. So then, what does that tell us? Why is that a big deal? Let's look closer at Epiphany. Okay. And so, one of the things we can do is we can look at. Uh, you know, I talked about how much I love Christmas carols, and I want to look again at We Three Kings. We hear that all the time. Yeah. Right. You know the We Three Kings of Orient are. Bearing gifts we traverse afar, right? Mm-hmm. Right? The fire afar. Well done. Um, and so, but here's what something I never realized until I was, it was sort of later in life. Something about this particular song that, like, always bothered me that if you listen to it, the vast majority of versions that you hear don't sing the last verse in that song. Right. Now, a lot, but, you know, a lot of people don't even know there's another verse. Mm-hmm. And I did, this year, I, I, I made a point of listening to the, now, there's 787 different versions of this song. I'm just making that number up. I was going to say, that's impressive. There's a lot of versions. Yeah. You know, it's like Dean Martin, Connie Francis, and then, you know, Sia. I don't know who. Right. All these different people, modern and old, will sing We Three Kings. Yep. And I don't know if they have versions, so please don't send me an email saying, Sia never recorded that. <laughs> and I understand that. But my point is, all different generations have sung this song. Right. It's been popular. Mm-hmm. And with some of my kids, it's like their favorite Christmas song. They love it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, and what you realize is, after you do the, oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, with the, the refrain, mm-hmm. there's these three verses mm-hmm. that follow that are each one of the kings speaking. Right, okay. and and a lot of people don't realize that there's some really uh, some scriptural import in understanding what those three wise men brought with them. Now, again, for those who might want to uh, jump in here and and check my scripture scholar license, mm-hmm. you realize we don't know that there were three. Did you right. know that? I mean, scripture doesn't tell us there were three wise men. Hmm. So. So I say that, you know, thinking there were three. The only reason why we might think there were three is because there was no other number mentioned. And there are three gifts that are mentioned that the Magi brought to the child Jesus. And those gifts, as we well know, are gold, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And And so I think we've done a show on this about these verses. But it, it just bears repeating because here's what's important. Christmas season is not complete without the epiphany, without the the revelation of Jesus to the world, right. the revelation of salvation to the world. And what those wise men bring to Jesus is symbolic of who he is, mm-hmm. right? So the verse, uh, the second verse of We Three Kings, as we start to talk about the individual gifts, mm-hmm. 
The first gift is born a king on Bethlehem's plain. Gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. So we're talking about Jesus's kingship. He's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And that's suitable, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And, And so naturally, most of the versions of We Three Kings has that in there. Right. Well, that's kind of good. Yeah. Right? So Jesus is king of kings. He is. And so what is fitting for a king but gold? Our finest. Mm-hmm. Right? He sits upon a throne. We, we bring him our finest. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, that's why we have you know, precious metals as, as uh, vessels at Eucharist. Mass. Right? For Eucharist. Because our finest. Right. Right? So it makes sense that we'd have that. Now, the second gift, which is the third verse of We Three Kings, comes from the second of the Magi, and he sings, Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh, prayer and praising all men raising, worship him, God on high. And so we start to see frankincense being that gift, Mm -hmm. which is uh, to the high priest, Jesus the high priest, who will offer himself the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that's beautiful. It is. Right? And so we see this reference to his priesthood. Mm-hmm. And so, again, Catholics, we love to use incense. And frankincense is a primary ingredient in incense. It's a dried tree resin, tree sap. Mm-hmm. Right? That when it's, it's dried and you burn it, it is very fragrant depending on where it comes from, what kind of tree, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is we still make, franken- we still make incense the same way now mm-hmm. with frankincense in it. And so when we see that, that verse, that second gift, we understand that they were coming to help us to see that the first gift, that he's the king of kings. The second gift, that he is the high priest offering the perfect sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that his offering, then our prayers that, are, that rise to God, the Father, who basically pardons all the sinners. That's right. Right? And so, so that's, all, that's really powerful, and that's good. And so most versions of We Three Kings. Now, you can check me on this, and I'm sure you're going to find a couple. I know there's a group called Straight No Chaser. It's a wonderful, like, sort of a cappella singing group. They do the third verse. Um, there's a couple other verse, a couple of groups, and I, I go, like, I applaud them. I'm glad they do that third right. gift, because right. most of them don't. And the reason why is because they listen to it and they get a little scared. Because the, the third king sings, Myrrh is mine. It's bitter perfume. Okay, bitter perfume. Mm-hmm. Breathes a life of gathering gloom, mm. sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. So all the little kitties at Christmas are crying, their candy canes fall out of their hands. Mommy, Mommy, why would we sing about such horrible things right. at Christmas? And so, like, the record producers go like, hey, uh, Dino, we're going to skip that third verse because we don't really get it. And right. we want the kids to be happy, so let's just sing the happy parts. Sing about the gold and the frankincense, but don't sing about the myrrh. And so they, they cut the song off. Right. But the thing is, that's like, that's like super critical. In fact, that, that... That's the whole point. Yeah, that third verse is really like, it is um, pivotal. Mm-hmm. Without that third verse, without that third gift, we totally lose one key concept about why... Christ took on flesh, why the second person of the Trinity took on flesh at the Incarnation. Mm-hmm. And that, that reason is this. <laughs> See that long pause? That's to draw people in. 
right and also to throw all the sound guys at Sorry, the radio I stations off. I, I know that's okay no that's perfect i do that because we're gonna we're gonna go to a break first <laughs> of course before we come up to why this mer thing is so important so before we go to that break i want to remind folks at home get a great website thecatholiccafe.com also i would love to hear from you send me an email deacon jeff at thecatholiccafe.com and with that please come right back I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Monica is a North African saint who has inspired millions of Catholics to pray and hope for their family members who have fallen away from or who have never even approached the Church of Christ. She was married at an early age to a man of her parents' choosing. Her spouse was a pagan man with a secure income and an exalted position within the community. Unfortunately, he lacked integrity and basic virtue. He was unfaithful to their marital vows and abusive. A biographer of St. Monica's wrote, She knew, she saw, but she kept quiet and suffered in silence. She prayed and probably wept, but realized that the religion of the pagans condoned great moral degradation. Like so many women of her time, she had nowhere in the world to turn. So instead, she turned heavenward to the help of the Almighty. And help he did. St. Monica was so well known for her deep inner peace and holiness that she began to counsel other women who had unfaithful and wayward husbands. Because of her great witness to the love of Christ in her own life, her husband eventually renounced sin and became a Christian. He died soon after his conversion and left St. Monica with her children. One of her children was the famous St. Augustine of Hippo, who had completely renounced the Christian faith of his upbringing and was living a dissolute life. The saintly woman prayed, encouraged, and pleaded with her son, like any good mother is apt to do. She followed him from their home in North Africa to Rome and finally to Milan. St. Monica prayed to God on her son's behalf for many, many years. She never lost hope, and she never stopped praying. After many turbulent years in the lives of both St. Monica and St. Augustine, her prayers were answered. St. Augustine is now one of the greatest and most revered fathers and doctors of the Church. Many of our stories are not as dramatic as St. Monica's or St. Augustine's but we can all learn from her persistence and filial love. Family and friends have left or avoided the loving arms of the church for many and various reasons, but they all come back for the same reason, the experience of Christ's powerful love. St. Monica is a great witness to this love of Jesus Christ. Her persistence and gentle patience are a roadmap for our own lives and conversions. St. Monica's Feast Day is August 27th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff. And I am talking with Thomas P. Dorian. Yes, indeed. Sidekick, wingman. Thank you. And we are talking about... Christmas and epiphany. the epiphany and why the epiphany is so important. Certainly, 
Epiphany gives us this sense of universality to Christ's redemption, Christ's salvation, and his plan. Right. Right, was for everyone. And I think that's great that we all experience that, right, and, and see that. But, but also how that plan was coming about. Right. And that's why we went through these three gifts of the three kings. We see this in Scripture, and I love the song, We Three Kings. And so it's like, born a king in Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. And then frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh, prayer and praising all men raising, worship him, God on high. And then that third verse, the mysterious one we don't hear as often, right, that most people kind of sell out and say, like, we ain't doing that one. Right. Myrrh is mine. Its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. Certainly the gold is an appropriate gift, right, for a king. Mm -hmm. And certainly the frankincense signifies his priesthood and the sacrifice and and the prayers uh, that, that are raised on high on our behalf. But myrrh is like this, and we've talked about the, what myrrh is. It's a burial balm. Right. It's what the Jews, how, the, he, how they, would, they would prepare the body for the transitus into eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, then we start to realize that gift signifies Christ, the, the process through which salvation would take place. He was born to die. Right. Right. So that... And that's hard for a lot of people to swallow. And so the, to have a Christmas song that has this phrase, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. It's rough you know, sounding. If, if you just heard that, it probably wouldn't be, you know, just the idea of bringing myrrh. Could you imagine? It's not a festive thought. No, but, but, but imagine if you were invited to a baby shower. You show up with a box of myrrh. Well, or you show up with like a burial plot. Hey, I, I bought you a plot. Bought your baby a plot for Calvary <laughs> Cemetery. You'd be on your butt out in the street. Oh yeah. I'm sorry if I offended somebody. You'd be on your rear end out on the street <laughs> you, quickly. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, with that said, you know what is the deal? Why would they bring that? Because Jesus was born to die, and we need to see that He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Right. Mm-hmm. He is the High Priest offering the perfect sacrifice on our behalf, mm-hmm. and in order to do that. A literal sacrifice was like giving his life, his all, mm-hmm. for us. He had to die to do that. Right. Right? It's like, that's, you know, I would have loved that third verse to have been about strawberry cake. But right. that's not how Jesus, how God saved the world. It was through his suffering and death that we were redeemed. Right. Right? And so that's important. So if we, if we start to look at that, um, that verse and we start to realize, okay, so Jesus was born to die. Let me go back to my first question. At the very beginning, I posed at the beginning of the show, like, so is, is Christmas over? Are we done? What's next? Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, the parties are done. The food's gone. The present, you know, the carols are just echoes. And so what do we do next? Mm-hmm. Right? Do we just gear up and do it again every year and learn nothing from this? Or do we take this to heart to some way, in some way, mm-hmm. and have it transform us? Have Christmas actually transform us? Right. And that's not easy to do. I mean, I know a lot of folks that are like going, yeah, I just need some joy and I don't really need to be like into this myrrh thing. Right. But here's the deal. How many times have you used the expression that someone, you paid them a compliment and you said that he's so Christ-like mm-hmm. and we're called to be Christ-like. Right? He's a great model for us. Mm-hmm. Well, so what did he do? Died on a cross. Yeah, I know. So if we're going to be Christ-like. To die to each other. We just die. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, okay, so 
is this what Christmas is all about? And it's like, yes. Yeah, yes, it is. And so that's, that's why it's important for us to pay attention to that, that last verse and why we start to realize that Jesus said, Jesus demonstrated that his death was necessary for our salvation. Mm-hmm. Salvation did not come about until he died. Right. Right? That's how he bought our freedom from sin. Mm-hmm. That's right, paid the ransom through his death. Now, I have to be quick to say it's not just an empty, lonely death, you know, stone-cold tomb, that he didn't stay there, that essentially what gave us the salvation is the, his power over death, over sin, mm-hmm. that the, the resurrection. And I like to help people understand that when you're looking at the liturgical calendar, that, that, that Christmas, there are two pinnacles in the liturgical calendar, Christmas and Easter. Right. So Christmas takes place... Christmas is necessary so that we can experience Easter. Of course. Right? And to experience Easter in its fullness, the resurrection, there has to be a death. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what's going on here. So then you start thinking like, well, if I'm going to be Christ-like, then in Christ was born to die. Mm-hmm. Imagine I have a little skull sitting right in front of me. Look at that thing. You're thinking like, that's depressing. Don't look at the skull. No, no. Look at the skull. Mm-hmm. Tom, do you ever think about the fact that you're going to die? Oh, yeah. But who, but, but who, it was, who doesn't? I think a lot of people don't. When I was young, I didn't. Yeah. Right? When I was a kid, I was like, I was going to live forever. Yeah. But like, as you're getting older, and the days in front of you are fewer than the days behind you. Right. You start to think like, what's this all for? Well, plus, you're starting to see peers. See, that's, a, that's another thing. It's like, the older you get, the more you experience it gets closer. death. Mm-hmm. It gets closer to you. Right. And so there's like a lot of folks, there's a, there's a great uh, hashtag that I've seen on, uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, it's hashtag memento mori, which is Latin for remember your death. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really cool that and it's, people are like, that's morbid. Shouldn't you focus on the good and positive things? It's like, yeah, but if death is necessary for salvation, right? If death is necessary for resurrection, and death is a part of the plan of salvation. Isn't it a good thing that we die? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not saying that you should all go out and die right now. Right. I mean, we live the life that God has given us, and we live it to the best of our ability. And our natural human instincts teach us to, to stay alive, mm-hmm. right? That, that survival mechanism that's in, built into us. But the reality is we have to understand that all of this means something, and that to, to, to die is a transition to eternity. And so if we remember our death, we, we, we live differently. Mm-hmm. When were all the most mistakes you would like make in your lifetime? You don't have to tell me the mistakes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but when, but when, when did they happen? Was it last week? Oh, they're constant, man. No, but when were the biggest ones you ever made? I mean, do you think you made bigger mistakes way back when? Oh, Absolutely. Because don't you think, like, when you're younger, when I was younger, yeah. it's like, I'm never going to die. Right. I'm going to live forever. I'm not worried about death. Right. So when I make some choices that I go, like, I can deal with that later if there were consequences. Right. Right? And so as we get older, we're thinking, like, I'm not going to live forever. Mm-mm. But I think the younger we realize that we're going to die, or, okay, let me just clarify that, so I don't want more emails about, am I supposed to tell my kindergartner, you're going to die? <laughs> That's a little problematic. I but we don't need to be afraid of death like sometimes some of us are. Right. But in our, in, like if I was in college, I'm beyond college. Mm-hmm. But if I was in college, 
And I was realizing that I'm not going to live forever. I'm going to live differently. You will live differently. I'm, I'm going to live in a way that, like, this might matter. This is, this is an important decision I'm getting ready to make. Right. And so the fact that we remember our death is something that we should all, uh, we should all participate in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that's ultimately what it means to be Christ-like, right? To realize that we are born to die. And that we should always have our death before us. It's interesting. There were some, uh, there were some uh, actual um, saints in the church. Oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but and someone will correct me. But they'll send me an email. But I remember reading about one guy that, like, he preached. Like when he preached, he always had like a skull hanging around his neck. Now I don't know who it was. <laughs> Back then, they didn't have like fake skulls. You know, it was probably some real skull from somewhere. Mm-hmm. But he always wanted to remind himself and everyone that he was preaching to. Look, this life is temporal. Right. And I think that's pretty, that's pretty powerful. It is. Right? And, and I think that the more we think about the fact that we won't live forever is the more that we'll actually focus on, like, how to live better. Right. So all the people want to change, that you want to change the world, they want to fix the world, and we want to fix all these things. The reality is, I think we all sort of realized just the temporal nature of of life, that would it would actually force us to um, I don't know. It would just force us to say like, well, what's important about this? What's important about this decision or that decision? I think it would change things. I think you're right. Do you think? Uh, I mean, I mean, trying to save the world. I mean, is that something that? I mean, I know you don't sit there and think about that like you're sitting in your lazy boy drinking a beer watching football. <laughs> I'm sorry, an adult beverage. <laughs> right. Right. So how about how does uh, how do we get death in front of us? I mean, how do we? Well, I think you get. I think you have to pray about it. I think you have to do what we're doing right now. You have to go through exercises of, of seeing what the saints did. Um, just, I agree, and just, and just trying to be aware. But how about like also we live our Christmases different? Oh yeah. Now I'm not saying don't have joy, don't have parties, don't have food, don't have presents. I'm just saying prepare differently. F- well, focus Experience all of that stuff. Right. On the, 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 the that key moment, right? What are we doing? What is happening at Christmas, right? What what are we focused on? We should be focused certainly on Jesus's incarnation, but the reason and the purpose of his incarnation for our salvation that should enough bring us joy. But also, we're focusing on being Christ-like and keeping our death before us because we want to live with him forever. Amen. Let's ask Mary to intercede for us as we close the show. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.